number three here tonight. <clears throat> Philippians in chapter number three. Philippians in chapter number uh, three. We're just going to read three verses here tonight, and we're kind of shifting gears. We've been in uh, one subject for the last month or so in the book of Philippians. Of course, it all has the overarching theme, that I may know Him, right? And the power of His resurrection, fellowship of His suffering, be made conformable unto His death. That's the theme. That's the idea of the whole book of Philippians. Uh, experience joy by knowing Christ. And so, but we are shifting gears in the sense that there's a subject change. So we're dealing with a little bit of a different thing under that same banner. And so if you found your place there in Philippians 3 and you're able to, let's stand. And we're going to read uh, God's Word uh, here together. Philippians chapter number 3, verses 1 through 3. I'll read audibly, you follow along silently here. Philippians 3, 1, it says this, Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. If you uh, underline in your Bible, I would underline that phrase, rejoice in the Lord. It really is so important. I'll try to emphasize that as we go through the message here. I, I, I would be as bold as to say this. If you could figure out that phrase, those four words, you have the Christian life down. That's it. I mean, if you could figure out those four words. And so uh, we're going to really try to emphasize that here this evening. Okay, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same things to you, to me indeed, is not grievous, but for you it is safe. Okay. Sometimes you have to preach a message several times. And Paul here is saying, I I'm not sick of preaching this message. You need to hear it again. Okay. And so here's what it is. Beware of dogs. Some of you are like, I've been waiting for this message my entire life. I hate canines. I don't have anything to do with it. No, okay, that will give some emphasis to what he's talking about there. But beware of dogs. Beware of evil workers. Beware of the concision. For we are the circumcision which worship God in the spirit, as opposed to the flesh there, of course, and rejoice in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh. So I've entitled the, the sermon here tonight, Beware Someone Wants to Steal Your Joy. Beware, someone wants to steal your joy. May God bless the reading of his word. You can be seated, and thank you for standing in honor of the scriptures here tonight. <clears throat> Have you ever had something stolen from you before? Yes. Isn't that a violating feeling when that happens? That's awful. I hate it. Uh, of course, I could point to a lot of times in my life where I've had kind of smaller things stolen, but when we first moved out to Kaufman, we, uh, the area that the church was positioned in there, out in the middle of the boonies. I mean, we're right way out in the country, but it's where two major highways came together. Our church sat right on the corner there, and the parsonage there um, was about as far away as the youth building is from the main church. I mean, it was like across the road, you know, it's just like, boom, it's right there, and it shared a parking lot with the church, so it's just very, very close. So everyone knew that house it belongs to the church, right? They were connected. It just very evident on that. And uh, so our, our parking lot became the de facto county meetup spot for all things, both good and bad. Use your imagination, right? Uh, and so we, there were constantly people 24 hours a day in our parking lot, stuff going on. Well, when we moved out there, 
the, the house there didn't have like a shed or a garage or anything. It just had a little covered porch. So a lot of stuff that we put, we didn't have room to put it anywhere. We just put it in the covered porch out there. Well, somebody decided that was a great place for them to go on a rummage sale uh, that wasn't really a rummage sale and ran off with some of my tools and a keyboard that Evie had, piano keyboard and some stuff. And so it's just one of those things being like, well, that wasn't very nice, you know, it was just we feel kind of violated, you know. Uh, after we had been there for about a year, I was trying to help a young man, and lo and behold, he stole what was an old credit card that I hadn't cut up yet that I'd just replaced. You know, you get the new one and you just kind of, Anyways, I hadn't torn it. Anyway, he took that, and I guess it was still active, and he went and bought a bunch of stuff, and it caused a bunch of problems. And that was a blessing, you know. He loved the Lord. Amen. It's wonderful stuff. And since we've been here, I don't know why, we've had two or three times where the uh, church card has had fraudulent charges on it. And luckily, they've been declined or got taken care of. You know how that goes. But, well, it's frustrating when stuff like that happens, doesn't it? And there's just people out there who are evil and have bad intentions in mind. And it just feels awful when you are uh, somebody who is the victim of theft and having somebody steal from you. You feel violated, you feel unsafe, it's not very much of a fun thing. Now, I want to talk to you here tonight about this. There are enemies of God who want nothing more than to rob you of your joy that is found in the person of Jesus Christ. Uh, teens, there's nothing more that this world wants than for you to think that there's joy out there and not in here. Nothing more. And there are those who want to steal you of true joy that's found in here to give you a counterfeit that's out there. But that doesn't just stop at the teen years. I think there's a lot of adults that fall for that trick as well that are more interested in thinking they're having the good life and we're miserable. Right? Absolutely miserable. And so I'm going to talk to you tonight about joy stealers, things that can steal your joy. Paul nails one of them on the head, but I'm going to bring out a few more here of areas where our joy can get stolen from us. Now, in, in chapter 3 here, he starts with this word, finally. And if you're looking at the same book of the Bible I am, you're like, we're halfway through the book. What do you mean, finally? Right? So maybe it would be a, a good way to look at the word this way. It, it's a heavy conjunction, which is showing this. Uh, Paul is more so saying, hey, we're moving to a new section here. We're moving to a new idea. So maybe read it a little bit more like uh, this. Furthermore, or in addition to. So it, it's like Paul is saying, we've been dealing with this, and now we're going to deal with this. Furthermore. Finally, he's going to deal with another issue that's there. So he's drawing a very sharp, hard line of saying, we're done with what we've been talking about, and now we're going to talk about something very weighty and important. So finally, furthermore, giving emphasis to it, we're going to talk about this issue. Now, I've already given uh, some, but at the end of verse number one, I wanted to point this out. He says, to me it's not grievous, but to you it's safe. Now, for us, it seems like strange language, uh, but here's what Paul is saying. He says, uh, apparently, what he's about to tell them, they had heard it from Paul on more than one occasion. Actually, it seems like this might have been a, a, a sermon that they had heard multiple times. Almost like a Paul saying, hey, this is a problem. You need to be aware of this. Next Sunday, hey, this is a problem. You need to be aware of this. 
month later, hey, this is a problem. You need to be aware of this. And so he says here, uh, I'm not grieved by bringing up the same subject again. And this time he's putting it in writing. And he says, for me, it's not grievous. It's not something that I'm worn out or worn down. He says, but for you, it's safe. Which the idea there is simply this. It's beneficial for you that I put this in writing and you hear it one more time. It's helpful for you. Don't get weary of hearing this. Now, sometimes uh, you might think, oh boy, there goes preacher again. Right? I don't know if you've ever felt that way before, but you say, oh, we're dealing with that again. Uh, I, I figured out when I start to feel that way, sometimes it is legitimate. The preacher I'm listening to just has a hobby horse. But a lot of times when I start thinking that, it's because I keep getting my toe stepped on, and I'm like, can we stay off that thing for a little bit? I'm a little sore here, right? So maybe evaluate uh, it when that happens, because Paul here is saying, here, you might be grieved by this message, but I'm not, because I know you need to hear it. And so he says, this is very beneficial, it's very safe for you to hear this, so open your ears big and wide and hear what needs to be said. So this is a, not a new subject for them, but it's one that's very important. One that is very, very important. So here's four words that I think are some of the most powerful and important in all the Bible. Rejoice in the Lord. Now, I really want to try to develop this and give some emphasis to it because there are those who want to steal your joy but I have great fear that there are maybe those who have not really experienced a whole lot of rejoicing and joy in their life since salvation because they've allowed joy stealers to run off with their joy because they've never known what it means to rejoice in the Lord. Maybe either they never allowed it to happen because this is an active phrase here. You rejoice in the Lord. It's not something that happens to you. It's something that you do. So you must rejoice in the Lord. So I'm afraid maybe there's some who just got saved and experienced the great joy of the Lord in salvation and then slowly have drifted away from that and have never really experienced the great joy of being completely in the Lord. But otherwise, I think there are those who have allowed themselves to have their joy stolen from them. I think a lot of people that are here tonight, you come to church because you want to know Christ and you want to have joy by knowing Him. Amen. That's your desire. But somehow your joy keeps getting thefted from you. That's probably not even a word, but we're going to use it. It keeps getting stolen, right? Somebody keeps running off with it. Now, we, we've, already, uh, <clears throat> we've already dealt with this before, but I think it's important to do this, okay? Uh, just because there's maybe some people who haven't heard this, or because you're like me and you've heard it and you've forgotten it since you heard it. Um, happiness and joy are very opposite. They're very different. They feel the same, but they're different. So a good way to remember happiness is happiness is what happens. Happiness happens to you. So uh, it's almost like um, we, we've been to the ocean, uh, you know, and if you've ever been there before, you have the waves of the ocean that are coming in. If you ever get out there and there's a high wave day, you know, you kind of have the the apexes, the high points of the waves, and the low points of the waves, and it's kind of up and down and up and down. That's what happiness is like, right? Sometimes there are little ripples, little happiness, little sadness, little happiness, little sadness. Sometimes it's, it's a storm, and there's big happiness, and there's really bad sadness, right? 
at, at, at kind of this ebb and flow. Sometimes you have big long waves, you know, it's like a, a tsunami flying through there and it's like happiness for a prolonged period of time, but eventually it goes down, doesn't it? Now listen, everyone experiences happiness, even the worst sinner that's on the face of this earth. It's human tendency and nature. It's just what we experience. So I think some people experience a great euphoria and, and wonder of happiness and think, oh, I've got joy. But although they maybe feel the same, they're different. Okay, so it's very important to recognize the, the difference between those. So he says here to rejoice in the Lord. So what exactly does it mean to rejoice in the Lord? Well, we oftentimes talk about in Philippians, joy and rejoicing. And we use those words interchangeably. So I want to do a little bit of defining here. So joy is that bliss that we feel in Christ. It's that emotion, it's that feeling that only can come from Jesus Christ. Amen. Happiness can come from a plethora of other things, a whole bunch of other things, but joy can only come from Jesus. Yes. Only from Him. So when I think about joy, I was sitting back and I was thinking, what does joy feel like? So if you've been saved, you, you know what it feels like, but sometimes it's hard to explain. So it's like, I want to be able to actually kind of think through this and explain it. So what does joy feel like? Well, first thing that came to mind was like peace. Right? It's like, regardless of what's going on, there's just this peace. There's this calmness about it. Um, I started thinking about uh, joy, uh, thinking about some of the moments when I had rejoicing in the Lord. We'll talk about that here in a second. But joy, I thought about that e feeling of joy. I thought about like driving in my car and I've got a song that I'm listening to, good gospel song, you know, and it hits right. Amen. Yeah, yeah, okay. You know what I'm talking about. If you've been saved and you've been driving down the road and you just kind of singing along, or maybe it's the first time you've heard the song. There's something about why David said, I'll sing a new song unto the Lord. And the first time you hear a song, maybe from a, a group that you really like, and it just came out with a new song, you know, I, I really enjoy the Clark family and the Rochesters when they were still together, and they drop a new song, you know, and it's just, you listen to it, like, man, I've never heard this one before, and then it just, it just hits, very real, you know what I'm saying? Or maybe it's a song you've heard thousands of times before, but that day, for some reason, it's just, mm, it just ministers to your soul, just such a... a whether you're singing along or just listening to the lyrics that are there and just the joy, right? Being in that moment and that prayer. I, I think about a lot of times, um, like this evening, I didn't drive my truck over here. So after service is over, I'll walk back over to the house. So just that short little walk through the field out there. And at nighttime, it's like pitch black out there. And if I don't have any kids with me that tag along or anything, you're just kind of walking out there in the dark after a service, you know. You're just kind of ruminating and thinking about the day and just communicating with the Lord. I don't know, I just really enjoy those moments. And so you're just walking out there, and you're just saying, man, Lord, this was good, and I'm so grateful for this, and just thinking on the goodness of God and, and what the Lord has done, and, and communicating and knowing this. He hears you, and, and, and there's open line of communication, and, and relate, that just joy, yeah. right? That's a feeling. Um, I thought about this. I, eyes actually being open to the blessings that are all around me. It's amazing to me. I can have the same stuff going on from one day to the next and one day be totally in the flesh because I didn't rejoice in the Lord, right? Be totally in the flesh and the kids annoy me and the dog annoys me. Okay, she's back there. My wife annoys me, 
right? <laughs> it seems like everything's, ugh, it's awful, right? I mean, e- even, even good things, yeah, even Gary, yeah, even good things come across bad, right? But come on, in, in, days that you're, in days that you rejoice in the Lord, it's like God opens your eyes to all the wonder of the life and blessings that are around you. Man, my children, my wife, my, my church family, my friends, I, my, the, my, my vehicle, I'm, the hot water heater, I love you, thank you. you know, it's just like your eyes get open to all the blessings in your life. Amen. You yeah. start to realize, now, listen, we can go down the list. I don't really know how to fully explain it, but, but joy is all of those things and so much more. It's that feeling of absolute bliss, of calm and peace, and everything might be absolutely blowing up around you. And you're just, ah, yeah, everything's great. And it's like Peter walking out on the water. And he says, Lord, if it be you, bid me come unto you. And everybody, all the disciples are like, are you crazy? And he's got his eyes fixed on Jesus. And he's out there walking on the water. Man, an incredible thing. And sometimes it feels that way, like we're walking on water. They say, well, don't you know there's a storm? Who cares about the storm? Look at Jesus. Don't you realize you have all these problems? Who cares about that? Look at Jesus. I'm telling you, that that feeling is beyond compare. It cannot be, there's no connection. Now, joy is that feeling of bliss. Rejoice is then the action that comes out because of it. Okay, so joy... That feeling of absolute bliss that can only come from Christ, so then we rejoice in that. Joy produces rejoicing, and rejoicing is that that high-handed, the shout, the praise, the the communication with God, all of those things, singing, that that feeling of calm and expressing goodness to the Lord, all those things then would be classified as rejoice. So he says this, rejoice in the Lord, right? Right? Because that's the only place where joy is found, and rejoicing is a product of joy. So it's this wonderful, oh man, I don't even know how to fully explain this, but it's almost this wonderful circular thing that's going on here. When I experience the goodness of God, it produces joy in my life that makes me want to rejoice in the Lord, which in turn causes the whole thing to go over again. And it can become this beautiful cycle of just Knowing him more deeply and intimately day after day after day after day. And I'm telling you, if you'll allow that to perpetuate and to continue, every day with Jesus is sweeter than the day before. And and it truly becomes this thing where you're just totally enamored with Christ and there's so much joy and there's so much rejoicing and it's so wonderful. I, I... wonder sometimes, because I, I get in this mode sometimes also, but there's some people I think who think the Christian life is just awful. <laughs> They're just like, everything about it is terrible. And I, I get there sometimes. Well, it's all about the rules. I can't do this. I have to do this. You can't do this. Quit doing that. Start doing this. Quit doing that. Rules, 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 rules. Boy, it sure looks like fun what they're doing out there. If I stay here, I have to do right and be disciplined. No. And that's not fun. I want to go, mm, that looks like fun out there. I want to go do that. Come on now, sometimes as a Christian, we mope because we start looking out there and we go, that looks like fun. 
I want to go sit on a pew on Wednesday night and have somebody yell at me. I want to stay home, watch football, and eat popcorn. Right? There are other things that sound enjoyable, don't they? The allurement of other things that are out there. I think sometimes as Christians, there are a lot of believers who have never experienced joy because they got saved and they felt the euphoria of salvation and then they didn't continue to pursue Christ. He's pursuing you. He hadn't quit. But you quit pursuing Christ and then it's almost like, well, that's just another high in this ebb and flow of happiness. But it's not. That was different. You know it was different if you've experienced. If you've experienced Christ in salvation, you know it was different. But you allowed something to steal that joy away. And I think a lot of believers are just miserable as Christians because they feel like, well, the Christian life is a whole bunch of do's and don'ts. And it's a whole bunch of I can'ts. And it's a whole bunch of I'd rather be out there. And because of that, they're miserable in their Christian life. Well, you think about a, a, a dog. I know we're about to talk negative about dogs here in a second, but you think about a, a dog, and I, I, I don't know, just getting the mentality of a dog here. Our, our, we just got a, a dog. We have a lab now, and she's kind of going through the puppy years and all that. She's a good dog, but I'll say this. I've seen dogs who have awesome owners that love them and take really good care of them and pamper them and give them way better food than they should be giving them. You know who you are. Right? <laughs> Dry food isn't good enough for you, princess, right? You, they give the high quality food and they, they pamper them. They spend all this money on them. They make sure all their needs are taken care of and they just love on them. But they put some barriers of protection in their life. They put a collar on their neck that has a little dangly thing with the name and address of who owns them. And they put a fence up because they don't want them getting out in the street and getting run over. And that dog may feel like this these boundaries and these rules, I hate them. And because they get in the mind of a dog, I hate this and this is awful and my owner must not love me because of all these rules. No, no, those are evidences that it truly does love you. And I think as Christians, sometimes we can get that mentality that there have been borders of protection that have been put around us, not to spoil you of your fun, but to keep you safe. Amen. It's not grievous. This is for your safety, Paul says. This is safe for you to hear this again. Why? Beware. There are joy snatchers that are out there, joy stealers that are out there. There are things and people and, and groups that are out there that want nothing better than for you to be miserable just like they are, for your joy to be gone. But I'm telling you, Christ has given you the good dog food. Okay, follow the illustration. Please don't take this the wrong way. And he's put boundaries in your life, and, and he's, given, he's given you a call with your name. He knows you by name. And I'm telling you, he's put these things in your life because he loves you. Amen. Experience the great joy. I think some people are so miserable that they have it good in Jesus. <laughs> Quit being miserable. Enjoy the Christian life. It really is a wonderful blessing. And so Paul comes in here and he goes in in verse number two and he says this, beware. What's he saying beware about? Well, he's saying beware. There are people out there who want to steal your joy. So this would be the group that he deals with was the main joy snatcher of their day, which was a group called the Judaizers. If you're here when we did the series on Galatians, you'll remember that whole book is written about that particular group. Now, the Judaizers basically said this, you need faith in Jesus and works of the flesh in order to be right with God. So in their mind... 
You needed Jesus and works to be saved. The main thing that they put emphasis on was circumcision. The Judaizers. They were Jews who wanted everyone who believed in Jesus to follow the Jewish law because that was the only way that you could be acceptable before God. right? And so Paul addresses this group in very kind language. <laughs> so he calls them first dogs. I'm going to do this quickly here. He uses these names to identify qualities about them. Hey, these are some things that they are, right? So he's not just name-calling here. He's pointing out things that are a part of their character, how they behave. So he calls them dogs. Now, for us, that might not be that bad. We might think in a positive light because we keep dogs as pets, not in the Jewish world. Dogs were like nuisance. They were eating trash, dead bodies. You read through the Bible, dog is never used in a positive light. Every time somebody's called a dog, it's that they are low, trash-eating, nuisance, awful. It's terrible. So we say it this way, um, wild, unruly animals. Now, I don't know about you, but if I go out in this area and I go up to a house and there's a dog that's unruly and wild, because there's a lot of those, you know what I do? You're right. I'm not going to be here. I'm gone, right? Uh, it ain't happening, right? Back it off. I'm not going to mess with that, right? Now, that, that's kind of Paul's idea here. Beware. Okay? I, I didn't work with that word beware there. Literally, the word beware means just get your eyes up, see, and mark. That's what beware means. Uh, you do it this way. Be aware. Beware. Okay? He's saying this. Get your eyes up, see the danger, and mark it. Okay, so that, that's what he's saying here. So he's saying this, there are dogs that are out there that you need to say, oh, there's, there's, that's wild and unruly, that's dangerous. Watching out for that. He then goes on and he calls them evil workers, <clears throat> false teachers. Those who labored, they were working, but they were working at declaring a false and evil message. So he calls them evil workers, he's saying this, the, what they're teaching, what they're working at is evil, it's wrong. They're false teachers. So he's saying, you need to be aware of this, that there's a group out there who is saying, thus saith the Lord, that they don't represent the Lord. They're saying, well, in order to be right with God, you need to do so much works in order to be saved. Come on now, hey, this is still going in our day and age in which we're at here. There's joy stealers that are out there saying this. If you want to be right with God, you need, to, you need to do this, you need to do this, and you need to be baptized, you need to give money to the church, you need to do all this stuff so you can be right with God. And they're either saving it in order for you to be saved, or they're saying after salvation that somehow you're going to merit the favor of God by doing all those things. Now listen, I want to do those things because I want to know Him more intimately. But come on now, think about the logic of this. Christ pursued you when you were nothing. Right. When you were a sinner, hellbound, with no traits or qualities that were desirable, He sought you out and He loved you. Amen. So now that you are His, what makes you think you're going to merit His love by somehow doing good enough works? Sometimes I think we get this weird idea as Christians in our mind that God somehow quits loving us when we mess up. He loved you when you were in the muck and mire of sin. He, there's nothing you're going to do that's going to disown you as a son or a child of God. He loves you. 
And I think some people are so bent out of shape that they're just like, well, I'm not worthy, I'm not... Uh, and they don't experience the joy in Christ because they're trying to earn or work their way to favor with God. And Paul here is calling out the Judaizers for this very truth that they're propagating. Sometimes as Baptists, we're guilty of this. Well, you're not doing this, so God's mad at you. It's not scriptural. Now, listen, I do understand this. Can God withhold blessings? Is there judgment? Are there consequences? Whom the Lord loveth, He chasteneth. I understand those things are there. But God never stops loving you. He never stops being your father. He never stops wooing you and, and being kind to you. That, that's, not, that's not the M.O. That's not the, the attitude of our God. When you're running away from God, God's sitting there with His arms wide open. Have you not heard the story of the prodigal son? Yeah. The word prodigal means, you know, lavishly, richly. And I'm telling you, the prodigal son was rich and lavish in his sinful lifestyle, but I'm thankful there was a prodigal father that was waiting for him back home who was rich and lavish with his love and forgiveness and compassion for his son. And I'm telling you, I think a lot of us, we view God as the brother in that story instead of as the father. But our God is so loving and so gracious and so merciful. And the Judaizers are up here, and they're, they're evil teachers. They're teaching, well, if, if you want to be right with God, in good standing with God, then you must do. I'll tell you this, I'm in good standing with God, not because of anything I did or anything I'm doing, but because of who Jesus is. And I'm telling you, when you get that perspective right in your mind, you can rejoice in the Lord. You quit focusing on the stuff you're doing or the stuff you're not doing. And you just start enjoying being in the presence of God. Enjoy walking with Him. Rules stop being rules when you say, I want to do this because I love Him. Regulations quit feeling like, well, I want to be doing that, but I have to do this. When you're constrained by love, I love Him so much. and I'm just enjoying fellowship with Him. I don't even care about that stuff out there. Have you experienced joy? Do you know what it is to rejoice in the Lord? That counterfeit stuff's got nothing on it. And listen, that's what Paul's pointing out here with these Judaizers. They were joy stealers. So he ends this out and he says that they're the concision. Now, again, I don't want to be too graphic here, but I do want to let you know what it means. Concision literally means the mutilators, the flesh cutters. And what, it, what it's talking about there is it's talking about their emphasis on circumcision. Now, again, we're not going to really dive into this, but in verse number 3, he says, uh, We are the circumcision who worship God in the Spirit. He's saying this, listen, they, they do the outward work of circumcision, but they're missing God's whole intent behind it. Well, circumcision was the outward mark, but there was circumcision of the heart, which was called faith. Amen. It's always been about faith. Amen. And so Paul here says, they've got the mark in the flesh, but they're missing the mark of their heart. Uh, modern day illustration. It'd be like somebody getting baptized and yet rejecting to believe in Jesus Christ. Yeah. They, they did the physical thing, right? That showed that they believed, but they didn't actually believe. Yeah. And, and so what Paul is saying here is, listen, baptism isn't what saves you. I know we're, it's about circumcision here. Baptism isn't what saves you. Is it a good thing to do? Yeah, absolutely. It's a wonderful thing to do. And Christ tells us to do that and be obedient. But what saves a person? By grace, through faith. Right. Believe. We would think it foolish if somebody put their faith in the water of baptism and yet rejected the person of Jesus Christ. And that's exactly what the Judaizers were doing. 
Here's the problem. They were so miserable in trying to follow every dot, cross every T, and live so perfectly to keep the law. That's impossible. And they were trying to mix Jesus and works together. And they were so miserable and they saw the joy of other believers and they said, y'all are doing it wrong. You need to be miserable like us. I think sometimes there's a new believer and they're just loving Jesus. Someone comes along and goes, well, just wait, it'll wear off. It ought not wear off. And Paul is saying here there's joy stealers that are out there in... in, in trying to work your way to favor with God. He says, this will rob you of your joy. So what's the emphasis there? Rejoice in the Lord. Lord. Right? Amen. When Peter got his eyes off of the Lord and started looking at the winds, boisterous, I think what he realized when he saw the winds, he goes, I'm not capable of walking on water. And what happened to him? He began to sink. You know what happens with us when we go, I'm not good enough to earn God's love. You know what we start to do? We start to sink. We start to have our joy stolen from us. You know what happens when we do the opposite? Wow, look how good I'm doing. I'm walking on water here. Yeah, right? Look at, look at these works that I'm doing. By pride, we exalt ourselves. We get our eyes off the Lord. We start to sink. Listen, that's the Judaizers. But I'm going to give you a couple others here, joy stealers that happen in our life. Let me give you a couple of these, okay? And we'll be done. Sin. Sin. Sin is an absolute joy kill. Sin promises great joy, but it'll give you a moment of great euphoria, and then it dumps you in the dumps. Mm. I think there's a lot of people who are chasing the apexes of happiness, and they keep crashing. It's like a druggie, you know? You go after that next hit. I think some people, they're so after the next hit. And maybe you're here tonight and you got caught up in, in some sin. And you're just after that next euphoric feeling. And you have it and you're like, oh, this is the greatest thing I've ever experienced. It's so wonderful. I finally let all my anger out and I told him how I felt. Oh, it felt so good to be angry. But then what happens? The crash, right? You give in to addictions like pornography or lust. And you say, man, it felt so good. And then boom, there's the crash. Sin, I'm telling you, will rob you of your joy. It promises great dividends, and it'll give them to you about that quick, and then it costs you so much more in the long run. Another joy stealer that's out there, the world. This world system can seem super alluring. And I'm not saying any of these things are sinful, but sometimes if that's what our attention is on, and that becomes the, the passion of our life, then we feel like we're experiencing joy when really we're just having a euphoric moment of happiness and we crash. Uh, sports are wonderful. I love them. But the Rangers have let me know here recently that it was only happiness that I was experiencing, right? There, there's a hard crash happening there. And some, something tells me, I'm, you know, this Sunday the Cowboys start playing, but they have a way of letting me down every year. It just hurts, right? <laughs> Anyways, but I'm saying this. Joy is found in Christ. Happiness is in all these other things. And the world can be very alluring. I mentioned sports, but entertainment. There's probably somebody who's like, I can't wait to watch the next episode of The Bachelorette. Or the Bachelor. I want to watch the next. I don't even know what shows are out there anymore. Survivor or whatever. I want to watch the next show of this. And, and boy, they live for that. Right? This is what their show's all about. And, and boy, they miss it. It's like the, the world has ended, you know. Forms of entertainment that are out there sometimes can be so alluring. 
I'm going to be careful with this one. Politics. <laughs> okay? We are, we are of this world. I'm not telling you to be unaware or turn off talk radio. But, boy, I tell you, there's some people who sit in front of Fox News or whatever the new trend is of conservative radio or TV, and they soak it up 24 hours a day, and it's become their passion, and they're more concerned about who's in the White House than who's on the throne of heaven. Now, listen, I'm not saying you shouldn't be involved in politics. You ought to vote. You ought to be involved. You ought to have a voice. I'm all for all that. What I'm saying is if that's become the emphasis of your life, well, we can harp on people who are in sin and people who are in this, but some of y'all are just political junkies, and you've lost your joy because you're so bent out of shape about what he's doing in the White House. Right. I don't want to say his name. What he's doing in the White House, that you can't even have him join the Lord. It's absolutely sapped you of your joy, robbed you. It's weird to call politics entertainment, but let's be honest, in a lot of ways, that's what it's become. Yeah. It's a lot of ways, it's what it's become. Here's the third one, stress, anxiety, fatigue, being worn out can rob you of your joy. Um, There's a whole message I should preach on this at some point. But God judged the children of Israel because they got discouraged. Discouragement is not from the Lord. And actually, in the Bible, it's marked as a sin. Sometimes we allow ourselves to get downhearted and downtrodden. Now listen, I'm not beating you up if you've got anxiety or stress or problems in your life. All I'm saying is sometimes that can rob you of your joy if you secede to that and you say, well, I'm allowed to feel this way because I'm overwhelmed. And you, you let yourself in on that. If you have your eyes on the problem, can I encourage you here tonight, shift your focus and get your eyes on the Lord. Amen. And that problem will seem so much smaller. And, and again, there's so much more we can say about that. But this is a weird one, the last one, blessings. Blessings can be a joy stealer. Even good things can take our attention away from the Lord. God gives us some blessing or some good thing in our life, and our attention becomes more focused on that than it does on Him. I love my children. They're probably the best thing that's ever happened in my life. Them and my wife. I love them so much. But if my attention becomes solely on them before too long, I, I, I hate being around them. <laughs> okay? <laughs> just being honest. Because they just... Mm, Right? But when my focus is on the Lord, it helps me have the right kind of attention and love for them. I'm telling you, if you could just figure out these four simple words, rejoice in the Lord, you would have this Christian life pretty well figured out. Absolutely you would. Salvation is only found in Christ Jesus. Completeness is only found in Christ Jesus. Joy is only found in Christ Jesus. Rejoicing is only found in Christ Jesus. So here's the thing. If he has it all, then go to him for it. Focus on him, that I may know him, the power of his resurrection. Telling you here tonight, rejoice in the Lord. Let's all stand as we come to a time of invitation here tonight. Focus on Christ alone. Just enjoy being his child. So, Father, I pray you'll bless this invitation, work in hearts and lives.